This episode for me is about... And this is uncomfortable for me to say, but it is a call to stop knowingly or perhaps unknowingly being racist. It's a call to change. It's a call to fix a problem. It's a radical call to say, yeah, I've been ignoring this because it's really uncomfortable, because it didn't affect me. It's more than just saying, I'm going to do better, and I think that's a start. And I know that's what I've started by saying is, I need to do better. And I started by saying that and then being defensive that some of my black friends or black followers might have responded back to me in anger like, oh, now you get it. Where have you been? Wake up. And earlier this week, I didn't understand that rage. Like, I'm admitting that I'm flawed. I'm admitting that there's things I've overlooked. I'm admitting that this has been so big and so powerful and so emotional, and it's gone on for so many days now that it even hurts for me to say so many days when black indigenous people of color have been experiencing this for 400 years. And so even to say that this is an awakening feels offensive. And for it to feel offensive that someone's saying, I'm sorry, I understand, I want to do better, that can feel like an attack. And so here we are in this place where we are miles and miles apart when, I don't know what to say, except I'm sorry, and this is a start. And it starts with me. And not everyone has people as brave as the person who I'm going to speak with today. This is my friend, Ann Stevenson. You've heard her husband on the show before. Her husband, you'll recognize his voice, is Sean Stevenson of the Model Health Show. And Annis's super dope wife, who I freaking love. And we've been friends since we first met, about the time I met Sean. I asked her if she would talk to me about this, and that's hard to ask someone to do, especially a black woman right now who is traumatized, traumatized and also tired. That's what I've been hearing over and over again in just the last two days. Like, And it's so valid. Like, wait, why are all of our white friends now coming to us and saying, Why now do you need us to explain this to you? Right now, while I'm in the midst of this pain and feeling this rage, and I'm traumatized, and now you, white people, are coming to your black friends and saying, you be now my emotional support. Can you explain this to me? Like, why is it their responsibility? And I get that. And so I want you to be sensitive to that. And I also want each and every one of you, first of all, to follow Anne, to follow Kenya, who was on the show on Monday. Go follow them on Instagram. Both of their handles are in our show notes. And let them know how grateful you are for stepping out and doing this for us. Can you imagine if you were in the middle of 
something that was so incredibly painful for yourself and your family, like you'd experienced loss and devastation and grief and pain and oppression, and it's all come to the most emotional of weeks. And then you have all these people, such as myself, expecting you to step up and be the rock, right? It could have been very easy for Anne to say, I can't, and Kenya to do the same thing. I can't right now. I know they're both tired. I know they're exhausted. I know that this was hard. So please do me a favor. You're going to learn a lot from this, but don't forget to thank them. It was hard. So I want to first start by saying I use the term people of color. I use the term black. I use the terms African-American. And I don't know what the right term is for you or any of my friends, but it's important to ask. And in the last couple of days, it's been brought to my attention that most of my black audience would prefer to be called, instead of people of color, in this moment, black indigenous people of color. In this interview, you'll hear me refer to, again, you'll hear me say people of color, African-American, black. And there's a reluctance on Anne's part. At one point, she was like, you know, the, the, and I said, you can say it. And she said, yeah, the white people. And she goes, I don't know. I'm really uncomfortable saying that. And that's part of the conversation that we need to have. These things that we're, we're uncomfortable to get it wrong. Anne was uncomfortable to get it wrong with me. I'm uncomfortable to get it wrong with her, but we're friends. And as she brings up in this interview that we're having or this conversation that we're having, Shalene, we talk about all kinds of things. We've never talked about this. There are things I don't talk to my white friends about. There are things that I only talk to my black girlfriends about. I'm not making excuses, but and maybe we didn't make it easy to talk to us about this. Certainly we haven't because it's uncomfortable. How do you make something that's so uncomfortable a comfortable topic? You do it by getting through it. And that's what we did here today. I want to talk about being uncomfortable and be honest with you. I've been uncomfortable. I am uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable having these conversations. I'm uncomfortable reaching out to friends and trying to figure out what more I can do. I'm uncomfortable trying to figure out what to say, what to read, what to post about, what to record on. I had a couple of podcast interviews scheduled for this week that I just canceled because I can't think about anything other than what's going on in the nation right now and the pain that I feel and how I keep hearing from people that I love that especially the white community, you need to look in the mirror. You need to look at the words that you're using. You need to look at the things you don't know. You need to look at your history. You need to look at the history that was not written in the history books, the history that's passed on in black families from grandmothers, because it's not written in the history books. And I'm listening, and I'm doing those things, and it's really uncomfortable, and I'm trying so hard not to get it wrong, because if I get it wrong, then I might have the hate of a community that I love. I might hurt them. I might unintentionally do more harm. And you know what? That's really no big deal, because I've been dealing with that now for what, like, a little bit more than a week. And imagine what it must feel like to live your life worried that you're going to make someone angry 
and not that they might unfollow you, but they might kill you. Or you might be killed just because of the color of your skin. You may have heard of the woman in Central Park who was with her dog who was not on a leash in an area that's, I guess, apparently known for bird watching. It's an area where it's posted everywhere. Your dog must be on a leash. Your dog must be on a leash. And there's an African-American gentleman there who's an avid bird watcher. And he was watching the birds when this woman came by with her dog off the leash. And he asked her, will you please put your dog, you can tell this dog is going crazy because I've seen the video, asked her if she would put her dog on the leash. And she got very angry with him. He opens up his cell phone and starts recording her. He says, ma'am, will you please just put your dog on a leash? And she grabs her dog by the collar and is like kind of drag, like I'm not going to say it's dog abuse, but like she's dragging this dog by its neck over towards him. And well, I'm going to let you listen to this audio. But what's very clear here is she knows she can call the police department. Now, please know that I firmly believe our police officers are good people and that there are bad apples in the police department, in the Catholic Church, in our libraries, on our sporting teams, coaches. There are bad people everywhere without a doubt. But there is a culture that has allowed for a type of brutality and killing that has to end. And because of that, because of that fact, if you are a black man, the fear that you've got to walk around with constantly wondering (laughs) if you're doing the right thing, like if I'm struggling with what should I post, how do I say this, what's the right words to use, Like, that ain't nothing compared to living your life every day, wondering if, first of all, someone's going to call the police and you're going to get shot, or if you're just, are you going to get the job? Will you be ostracized? Will you be racially profiled? Will you be overlooked? Take a listen. Would you please stop? Sorry, I'm asking you to stop. Please don't come close to me. Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording me. Please, please don't come close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to and me. I'm taking pictures of calling the cops. Please, please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Please tell them whatever you like. Excuse me? I'm sorry, I'm in the ramble, and there is a man, African-American, he has a bicycle helmet. He is recording me and threatening me and my dog. There is an African-American man, I am in Central Park, he is recording me and threatening myself and my dog. And my I'm sorry, I can't hear you either. I'm being threatened by a man into the ramble. Please send the cops immediately. I'm in Central Park in the ramble. I don't know. Thank you. Crazy, right? I don't know what we did before we had cell phones. I think that is part of the reason why all of this has come to a head in this moment. I want to say this before I go to our conversation with Anne. I know tensions are high. I know people are defensive. 
But we don't win if we stay apart. We have to come together. And right now, the country is hurting because our black brothers and sisters have been hurting for 400 years. And don't tune me out. If you so want to stop listening right now, it means you need to listen. We need you to listen. I beg of you to just listen. I need to share this with you. It says, do not condemn what you do not understand. Do not condemn a person's response to pain you've never had to feel. Do not condemn a fight that you're not a part of. So Jordan left to drive to St. Louis with his cousin yesterday. Mm. Yeah. And we were like, yo, they've been planning for it for a long time. And plus, like, I think with this whole thing, of course, it's to see his girlfriend, too. But also like his mom being worried. But I'm like, this is going to make it worse. Worse on you? Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be worse on her, too. And he didn't want us to call her to let her know that he's coming i'm like please you need to make sure you tell her and so we wake up like sean woke up at like four o'clock in the morning and (laughs) i've been avoiding to look at the riot videos everywhere i can't do it specifically for this reason and you know it's just crazy that age how they just i'm gonna be fine and and, dude it's two black boys like driving and i think sean showed him like the video of the two kids that got pulled out they were not even protesters like it's just like (sighs) finish that thought so my process is i understand he is young and he's not seeing as much danger because he feels you know bulletproof in a sense but i think more than more than anything i'm concerned for his mom too because i know she's already i mean she's been you know, texting him and calling him. And, and I can't even imagine how she's, cause you know, it's not like she can see him in a sense and the chaos of it all. And I'm just thinking what she'll think on him driving back and how is this going to be like, you know, straight uh, panic for her. But, you know, we woke up at like, Sean woke me up at four o'clock in the morning. Usually we sleep with our phones in the other room and I didn't go back to sleep since four o'clock, just like sitting there thinking like, nah, this was not a good decision. Like seriously, Mm. like, no, I should have like really went that I typically do and just be like, no. Mm. But then at the same time, I get it. I don't want to be so like, cause you know, you, you get like the negative thing you keep thinking about is what you're going to get more of. So it's like, oh, I see. Yeah. Is he 18? He's 19. Yeah, 20 in a few months. So, And there's a certain part of that, which, because my kids are now adults, that Mm -hmm. they're adults and they should be able to make their own decisions. Nonetheless, you just realize maybe you're never done parenting them and you still have an obligation to tell them what they don't know. 
Exactly. And it's such a tough, he sees so it all. What conversations did Sean have to have with him that I wouldn't have to have with my white son if he wanted to drive across the country? So one of them, I think that it's not even a conversation. You, if he experiences it, he sees it from his cousins, his uncle, like he's been his friends. So it's all in there being a part of it. So when I was trying to make a post about all of it, and this is one of the stories that we went to pick him up, you know, like every the weekend we get him. So mm-hmm. Sean and I went to get him. He's how old at this point? Uh, he was probably eight or nine, something like that. Okay. And we were headed to Whole Foods because that's our typical thing. Go to Whole Foods. Then, you know, you go to like family video where you get one of the, you know, like actual video and stuff. And right by Whole Foods, the police stop us. And so <laughs> come to find out Sean had his tags were expired. And then he had been working with this, you know, like this case with his older daughter's mom, which is like super old. It's so old. Like he has his daughter, like the money, everything is fine. But it's like, once you're in the system, it's so hard. They, the social services is so difficult because oh, they already so you say a case. You mean there, there was something in the system. Yeah. So one, you don't have your tags and then you find out you have a warrant because I think like most black people, especially, it, you know, when they listen to this, they know one or two person who stay with warrants and it's because they can't pay them or if it's related to child support or whatever the case or so anyway, tickets at Michigan State University. That exactly. Were Until I had the means by which, but yeah, I, under, I understand. You know, and so they take him away and this is my first time I'm like with the kid and I'm just mm. like, and, and so and with Jordan just seeing him go away and just the whole behavior of like seeing Sean of what he did of, okay, like I got to make sure that, you know, my hands on the dashboard you're like extra cautious than most people would be, you know, you can say it like white people. Right. So I think seeing stuff like that, where he's been a part of that, I mean, same thing with Brayden now, actually your youngest son, he's how old he's eight. It's been actually hard. The last couple of days, he knows something is going on and we are getting ready to tell him about all of this because until this point, I just see Brayden. Mm. I see Brayden. I see this cute little baby that a lot of people are not going to see that way. And I have to let him know that, that he's going to be a threat. So yesterday, I just like, we, we kind of tried to start to have the conversation with him. And I was like, I had to go cry in the other room because I don't know how I'm going to do this. I honestly don't know how I'm going to do this. I feel like Jordan, at least having the references of his cousins and uncles and actual friends who literally live this every day. So he's a little bit more exposed. And so it's just like for Brayden, it's like way different, even though we've been in LA eight months, nine months, and he's been in the car with his dad three times now been stopped by the police. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So the first one was we were with the neighbor's kid. Sean had the two kids, Brayden and the neighbor's kid. 
and they were leaving UCLA. Mm -hmm. You know, they were at a stoplight, it's red, and the kids wanted a change in the song. And so he picked up his phone and changed it. And mind you, the police was right there looking at him. And so, I mean, they're in a stoplight, he changes the song and he proceeds to drive on. And the police literally turns on his light and then pulls him over and he's like, you're not supposed to drive and while on your phone. And you know, Sean's like, no, it was at a stoplight. I've just literally changed the song. And you know, it was just like this big deal. But what's worse is experiencing that with the kids in the back because you are trying to make them be okay of feeling like, okay, Because my neighbor's kid's like, he's going to shoot us. He's the police. He's going to shoot us. He has a gun. It's not, it becomes this like exciting thing while Sean is like trying to deal with it. So in a sense, already the boys are being exposed to it, whether we're even ready to talk about this or not. Of course, I think after talking kindly with the police and like just being like, you telling me you've never touched your phone at a stoplight? And he's just like, well, I'm just letting you know, you know, you should do this next time or whatever. But in a sense, it was just, I hate to say this because of course I have so like, I have a, a police friend and he's amazing. There's so many amazing people. And I think people get it wrong. I think they get it wrong when they think that we are against police, but I think that people are not being educated on the policing system and how honestly we are being looked at mm. and how they're looking at us. Case in point, I was listening to the episode of your friend and you was, I think she was saying, no, you was talking about with Brett, like if a black man is jogging outside and how they, you know, they have to obviously wear different colors. That's exactly what my son said. My son said, Jordan, he's like, in the morning, he actually thinks about that every day. Like he has to look down and make sure that he doesn't have anything dark, like anything dark, or he runs shirtless half the time because he doesn't want to come off as a threat. But still people do find him as a threat. Or if you would see George Floyd running in a dark sweat hoodie, yeah, and you know, a white person is like on the other side, they'll be like moving over or whatever. And so if you guys are thinking that the police already, they've been trained to look at us that way anyways. Yeah. So it's like 10 times more where it's like already guilty. And I mean, and then here we are. It's heavy. <sighs> I'm sorry. I, I, I honestly, I keep saying I want to be a hopeless romantic about it. I think the first part of the week, like last week, I really try to have this and it's still there having the light seeing the light because this is the first time seeing people who are not like me posting this mm. i've never seen that before i mean i think we all have it and also even with the protest good or bad whatever it might be we're seeing it we're seeing other views even though the media is still trying to push a narrative over and over again, there's still now social media where we get to see more and more of different aspects around it other than 
And let's focusing back on the point on like, okay, why are they doing this? Instead of like, this is what they're doing. And I get it. I get it. The fact that white people, most of them don't understand. If you don't understand the pain, how are you going to understand the protest? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it gets to the pain first. Yeah. So, I mean, I... I really wish that it wasn't him, but at the same time, it had to be him because to me, he is with the big nose, big guy, super black. I never thought about that. In your face. Yeah. But helpless on the floor, kneeling, same symbol as Colin Kaepernick, the whole thing of protesting positive, right? So it's like, maybe this is what we all needed to see. We needed to see this. Trying to buy something at the grocery store for $20. Yeah. Yeah. It's deeper. I think it's ugly, but I'm hopeful because like, here we are talking about the things that we know that we should have been talked about. Like, Mm -hmm. actually I did have a question. Have you, I know having with all your Black friends, have you ever had these type of conversations? Never. Conversations around race, yes. You know, sat in my living room many times and talked about the experience, their experience. What I've learned, and I wanted to ask you the same this week about white people. I've learned in social media. Mm. I've learned in social media that then inspired me to have conversations with people I know And what I've learned is most people don't know what racism is. And they think they are not racist because I would never use the N-word. I have black friends, you know, all these things. So therefore, (laughs) I am not a racist. But was he struggling? But... You know, it's the but, but, but. And so that to me made me realize that, first of all, I think we need a deeper conversation, a redefinition of racism. Absolutely. Number one. And number two, I think that, like you, this is just a profound moment that was meant to be it's meant to be uncomfortable it's meant to have lasted this long it's meant to continue on it's meant to include all races it's meant to be big there's so much symbolism and i talked to a friend about this this morning the fact that whether we realize it or not we were forced into segregation for three months for three months we've been yes we've been separate from each other You've been in your black home. I've been in my white home. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen people of color. We haven't been allowed to be a community. We haven't been allowed to come together. And that is part of a perfect storm. And so many other things. And I do believe it's a God thing. We're going to give each other a chance to to (laughs) speak our minds. But some things that like upset me is that I'm seeing these things for the first time. And I'm being honest about it and also feeling 
attacked for being honest mm-hmm. about it, which is fine. I don't care. Like, but I, I wish that we didn't attack people for having a realization. Because of that, fewer people are open to looking, admitting, Absolutely. and being honest about that. I guess this is just a plea to everyone to say, like, just stop judging people's moment to come to. Like, for example, yesterday I said in my stories, ask me the question of the person whose side you don't understand, right? And the questions on both sides, I talked about this with Kenya, were shocking, right? And I mean, like, literally shocking. But what's shocking about it is that, like, they're so far apart. They're so far removed from each other's experience. But think about that, though. You said you have Black friends, but never really... I mean, no matter what, it, like you're in the same room, you might even have the same interests and in everything, but never really truly like connecting on that level. So a couple of things, though, it's funny because one of my girlfriends, you know, did message me that same question, too, because she's now at the same place where she's wanting to do something about it. But then, you know, I think it was like a post and I reached out to her too, to the black woman And her post was something like, you know, white women need to stay in line. Like, you know, basically, you know, if you now you just realize to talk about racism, you know, you need to fall in line. We've been doing this for Mm -hmm. 400 plus years. Yeah. And, you know, and she was like, I mean, what do I do with this? Because at the end of the day, we're still human. Like, you're still human. You just be like, you know, like, I'm just trying to help. And when I read it, I was just like, I think this goes deeper. Like, I just see hurt. Yes. I think a lot of times, especially in these situations, because again, I'm only speaking for myself as a black woman. I think all the black women you're going to be talking to, I think it's crazy to put us all in one yeah. box or whatever. But now you get to see that experience where it's like, for me, I feel the best solution is, yes, us all kind of coming together. I'm posting like, go check on your black friend. That's me. Asking, yeah. But then, then you have other black friends like, listen, no, I'm not having I'm it. No, like when I'm ready to talk to you or I'm drawing a line, if you didn't post, I'm done. Actually, I am like that. I'm almost like for me, it's like a line that gets drawn where it's like, I mean, this is something that's concerning for me. And like, do you care? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think from what I've seen, and again, I can't truly speak fully about it, but what I can say is I see it's just a lot of hurt. And I think especially for Black women where already there's been so much, even more struggle. Not only is it that I have to stay here and uplift my Black man, and in a sense, I'm trying to protect and fight this good fight. But then also in this other end, we have where you see a lot of with the culture, what's the word? Like stealing of the black blackness in a sense from the big butts to the big lips and the blah, blah, blah. And you're, I mean, I think there's so much anger that it's like, you know, and then now all of a sudden it's like, now you want to join me when after, you know, you've completely negated me for so long. Mm. And also, but another deeper part is this, and I think maybe this is where, a lot of white people get lost in is where the anger comes from. Yes, which is, I agree. You know, when I say Tamia Rice, when I say Sandra Bland, when I say Mike Brown, matter of fact, Mike Brown, we were, we actually lived like 
not that far away from <laughs> Ferguson. We took the boys, Brandon and Jordan, and we went to the rally. We protested. We were right there. I have a picture. It's funny. It was one of my first Instagram pictures in 2014. And it was hopefully it's like, oh my gosh, this is just crazy. Da, da, da. But this is the thing. Never once did I ever even bring this up to any of my white friends. And this was never a discussion. Wow. It's something that I would only relate with my black friends because it was just like, first, I don't know what corner you're in. If you're going to be like you said, but he did this, but right. I, you know, I mean, he had eight bullets on his back, but he ran away or whatever the case might be. And which would just rile up some more emotion. So you have these women who are seeing these, their sons and their fathers and their husbands being killed rallying. And you're thinking like, okay, this time there's gotta be a change. Cause I was like, I mean, St. Louis was on the map. Like, you know, like the national guard came in, it was like a thing and it's like, all right, something is going to change. But guess what? Nothing happened. Then we have to carry on. We literally got to move on to the next person who dies. And then you got to, you're seeing the whole thing. And now seeing the actual videos, his name, Philando Castell. Have you seen that one, that mm -hmm. video? Mm -hmm. see, those are those things I think white women, white people need to see. Just type in the 14, you know, high profile black, you know, police brutality, high profile cases from that to me, rice, 12 year old boy. Yeah, yeah. But then again, it was like, but he had a whatever. And then there's all these, but 12 year old. So it's still that easily could have been my boy. I have to say that the but is something you learn generationally. Yes. That is a grandfather who repeats it and then dad repeats it. And then whether you realize it or not, that's influencing your children. It's influencing our children. It's, I think today's racism is less obvious. Yes. And it's, I do think it's time that we really consider the fact that we are different and our experiences mm -hmm. are very, very different. Different. And it's okay to be different. I'm always saying that. I've been saying that with my posts. Every comment that I get, every chance I get is I think the problem is shying away from your white privilege. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it if you embrace it and actually know you have it. When you do, but the thing is, and I think that the other part of the but is because when you realize that, oh, dang, things are that bad. Like, like, you know, you've had this idea of like, no, we've progressed. We're not there. You know, like I have black friends. I, you know, this, and we had a black president and it's just like, no, I mean, it can't be. And so when that happens, it's like, okay, well, I, you have to deal with the truth. And it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe you could tell me what that feels like, because you know, it's a kind of like a block. Like, I don't think I can go down that rabbit hole. That's a really good question I've been struggling with. Part of it is the shame, the shame of admitting even that people like that live in your family. The shame of it for me is to think that there have been, you know, and I've talked about this in social a little bit. The shame of it for me is to own that though I've taught my children not to be racist and we've I've been a very loving family and, you know, it's just not an issue. Like kids know they can date yeah. someone who's of color or whatever. It, you know, it's just not an issue. However, 
What I haven't done is when an older relative has made an inappropriate comment, not the N-word, not something that's blatant, but something that's disguised as racism, something that is so profoundly biased that it is racism that I've given my kids that look like, you know, it's their generation, like don't say anything, like that's wrong, but it's their generation, then I'm condoning it. And what I've taught them, I realize, is that you can look the other way. If I can do that in my own home, where I don't have to worry about getting fired, mm-hmm. then what have I taught my kids? And that's the part that I think I just know most people I know need to own that. Yeah. They yeah, need to own that. And not even that. I think in the podcast, when she asked the question of like, are you guys afraid of black people or yeah. something like that? Yeah. And you're like, you, I'm not. But then you're like, but I do have, I mean, but you can think of like maybe friends or situations of yep. like where that could be. And so I think the deeper uncomfortable conversations that need to be had is between you and your white friends, like Mm -hmm. all white friends together and those deeper, like, tell me why, why do you think that? But the problem is you can't get to those deeper conversations if you're not knowledgeable. That's right. And and you don't have the tools. If you don't truly understand it yourself, like, yes, my friend had a perfect analogy, which was, you know, like with the women's rights or like, you yep, know, the yep. movement yeah, say, uh-huh. where, where it's like, yeah, a man can join. They might not understand fully what it might mean to be a woman, but they understand, you know, their grief, like not, I guess their grief and believe their experiences. We need you guys to believe our experiences. <laughs> it's a funny story my friend invited me to like a super high, I don't know, I guess profile mastermind situation. Mm -hmm. And it was at her house. Amazing, 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 amazing. And again, this is like really entrepreneurs were doing like amazing thing, just amazing. And so it was going to be like, I've never seen this because you know, I've never seen this was like Wolfgang Puck, like type of experience where like it was like all set up with like waiters and they had like a head chef and I'm like this is nice so (laughs) I went downstairs to get some water and I had on just what I have on some yoga pants and a shirt and mind you to this point even though I am black I have never experienced any type of like assumption of racism I went downstairs to get some water and the lady, the head chef, you know, looked over and she was like, oh, hi. I was like, hi. And I just kept on walking. She's like, oh, so are you the nanny today? (laughs) I was like, wow. Nah, nah, I'm not. I'm actually, you're going to be serving in my head. You're going to be serving me today. And I did not know what to do. I was so furious. And to think that a little, and of course, especially when I don't have my hair done, I look like I'm 12 years old. And it's like this little black girl is going to be part of this gathering. It's like, no, you're a nanny. And I knew, even though I know that obviously in a sense, she didn't really mean to, but this is what she's been programmed to see. So I went upstairs and 
just calling Sean like furious and crying. And I had no words. I didn't know what to say. Uh, and so he's calming me down. And then he was like, but babe, you know what? You've been saying this this whole time. Like you totally attracted this, right? And I'm like, this is not the time. This is not the time. And he's like, what did he mean by that? You attracted he said, this? I mean, so the, he's, this is the thing a lot of, and we'll get to this. He's like, you kept on saying you're going to be the only black person there. You know? Oh, you, you were saying that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you kind so of, am I, am I attracting it or am I, am is I it you realistic? Know, exactly. But the thing is this in a so lot of, wait, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I have to ask mm-hmm. right there before I forget it. What does that feel like to go to an event of all white entrepreneurs? See, cause I would think nothing of that Yeah, for yeah. you. I wouldn't yeah. think I, until you just said that, like I would really, like, I, no, I would think oh to myself, my gosh, that that's usually, and that's another thing. I think that a lot of, I'm worried about what I'm going to wear. So talk to me about this. <laughs> so this is something that I think a lot of black people, when they go to any event, not even saving, I think entrepreneur space, it's even more skewed. And first of all, you're like, okay, you're looking at the, the lineup. And a lot of times, you know, they'll have like maybe one black speaker, but of course, if you've connected with like the message or whatever, it's like, you know, I have to go, da, da, da. But when you walk in, first thing is you always look to see where the other black person is. Mm-hmm. And somehow you always link up. <gasps> and yeah. same thing that happened to that mastermind on the second day, you know, she's amazing. I don't tell her name, but she came to and she's black. And next thing you know, she's sitting right by me. It's like, yeah. you always find that one other black person and you're just going to connect. Even if you don't know each other or whatever, it's sure. like, there's that sense of comfortability. You feel okay, a little bit safe. Yeah. And that's something that I've been talking to. I don't know if you know her, Patrice Washington. Mm. She's a black, amazing entrepreneur. And so it's just, we've been talking about that as far as like these in our online space and going to these entrepreneurship events where it's like, you have the same one or two black speakers, you know, that you've seen around, even though there's so many other people that are doing amazing things and also the audience. And it's just like, how can we, especially right now where people like yourself or people that are wanting to do something, but don't know how to do it. I think that the first, another step is really supporting like, obviously black entrepreneurs, like if they are amazing, why not bring them in? Cause this is what it does. It's not only, yes, it looks great for diversity, but what it does is say that one speaker, that one podcast guest that comes on your show, that's so amazing. And little old me in St. Louis riding my car and I'm tuning into your episode and I listen, oh, she, she got another black person on here. And I tune in and I'm intrigued, like, man, that could be me. I could maybe one day be on the Shilling show or I could actually do this. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, being an ally, being a person that, you know, and I think that's the word I keep seeing everywhere is being an ally is assisting in helping us to get into spaces that we typically would not even get invited to Mm -hmm. and offering that opportunity to inspire or bring in other people of who are really trying hard, who are crushing it to get seen on that space too. Mm -hmm. And I don't say this for any recognition, but it's just who I am. 
I don't like it when people pitch themselves to me. If you listen to my show, I don't have the popular authors on. I don't, ha- you know, why would I have a popular author on when they're on all 17 of the other top podcasts? And I don't play the game of like, oh, you have to have a big following. You have to have an important message. Mm-hmm. And I've had lots of people of color on both shows, this one and Build Your Tribe, and put them on stages when they didn't have any speaking experience. Not because they're people of color, but because for whatever reason, there's something about them that caught my yeah. attention. And I'm like, here's someone who doesn't have the same opportunities that I have. And there was a point in which I didn't have opportunities, but I am, let's face it, a cute white girl who is articulate. So I'm going to get more doors opened, right? I'm no, gonna, it's, I mean, you've helped us. You've helped us. I, I remember when you met Sean at your house for Sleep Smarter mm-hmm. book launch. And when I say we sold so many pre-orders <laughs> just by the Facebook, the Facebook live that you did with him. And it met, it was so amazing because obviously he would have never gotten an opportunity or even been able to reach an audience like yours. And yeah, I totally, absolutely agree and recognize. I think that this is an opportunity for other big people of influence in this space to do the same and maybe take, you know, some notes. Well, and I don't mean that like to be like, look at me. <laughs> I wanted to finish that up by saying, I also sometimes catch grief for that. Like that, that in and of itself is patronizing. You know, like today, for example, I posted to my stories that we're starting a Black Business Matters scholarship. We've always had scholarships, but we've never had one that's specifically for people of color. And I've gotten so many strange messages and I really don't care, but I've gotten so many strange messages from people saying like, really? So now you have to have a certain skin color to qualify. Why can't you just give it to the most qualified person? To which my response is that's racism. Cause then you don't understand that those people, they don't have people of color. Don't have the same opportunities. This is a very small gesture to say, let's give you an opportunity where there aren't others where, and it's not that it's going to make the world's biggest difference, but those kinds of things matter. It really does. It really does. I think the white community, and and I should pull out some of these messages. Yeah. You know, I'm from Kenya and coming here at a young age and just kind of like being sheltered with my mom and, you know, in our little bubble. And I'm pretty sure it was a lot of, people who are foreign listening to me would agree. Like when I first came here, I was just like, so like black people, they need to do more. Like, why are they just, you know, doing this? Like, it didn't make sense to me because I'm like, no, like my aunt came to America living in our house. I mean, in our little bitty apartment, but she was able to like get a house, get a job. Actually, she paid off her house like a few years Mm -hmm. ago. Like she's, you know, getting the grind and stuff. And so I just could not understand that. But then when we met my mom's friend, who was just so amazing, and he just started to school us. Mm. And this was like an everyday. First, I was like, everything's about to be they, you know, and I'm like, come on. But when you understand the oppression, the systematic oppression, when you understand the current systems in place, and even how all that affects from the household to what school you go to, to the type of friends that you have, to the business opportunities and the jobs or lack thereof, it's completely meant for us to fail. Mm. And not until I met Sean and physically seeing this in play and over and over again, and you're seeing all the disparities that it doesn't matter. 
Because it's like, oh, yeah, well, they could just, you know, go to a better school. Or I think on the episode on the other question, which was like, black girls have, I don't know, it's a lot of abortions or whatever it is. And it's like, a lot of these black girls don't have fathers in their home because those fathers are in jail or dead. I always tell my daughter all the time, I'm like, with all the friends that you have, who has a dad? She's the only one. Mm. None of her friends have dads. Nobody. And where's their mom? Full time, two or three jobs, not there. And then we're not talking about environment. Where are they living? What are they getting into? Because we know no matter how much we can put in here and donations, the biggest thing is our environment because that shapes everything. But if the environment never gives them an opportunity and only gives them these are the things, and then you'll have those few. You'll have those few that come out and shine and they're celebrities and it's like they made out of the, but there's millions of others who are literally trying. They're trying their best, but they've been put in a system that has been made for them to fail mm-hmm. and they keep failing. That's why it's so important, I feel, between having these conversations, watching amazing documentaries like the 13th. Yeah. Or when they see us, you get Eyes to, on the prize. Yeah. You get to see, you start to connect the dots much better. So when you do get in a conversation with your yeah. other white friend, you have some more knowledge to like combat and, and like, no, all right. You know, so it took me some time in, to understand that, but it's taken and hearing the stories and being okay when that butt starts to kick in it's like all right lower that down real quick because all that does for black people and to be honest like when i tried to tell (laughs) i couldn't tell my friend i waited till the night was over because it's like and i wasn't going to tell her but i was like at the entrepreneur yeah 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 yeah. okay yeah and so did you tell her yeah i did finally it was with you know her and her friend and her husband and i wasn't initially and i really wasn't trying to but I just didn't want to seem like, oh, here goes that black talking about this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Already, I'm like yeah. the only one here. And then I'm talking about this. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't want that. I don't want no pity. But I do want that understanding. And when I did tell him, it was the same thing. It was like, no, her assistant said she was like, well, I mean, you know, we were expecting you know, sometimes we have this nanny that comes over and I'm just like, girl, bye. Come but on. This is, this is what happens each time when we do try to share our experiences. In a sense, it's kind of like we're crying wolf. That's the way it seems to us. So in a sense, we just don't share it. We'll just share it with, each I other. know for me, I will just share it with like my black people and it's yeah. like, and it'd be like, can you believe this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's one thing that we have to change is that the conversations that we're comfortable having with each other has to change. And with each other, I mean, the things that I know I wouldn't tolerate to be said if one of my friends was in the room who was black or Latina, the things I wouldn't tolerate that I might just roll my eyes if they weren't there. Yeah. Why is that okay? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, just maybe think of like a recent situation where I'm going to try to make this as generic as possible so that people aren't identified. But I was walking in a nice neighborhood and a woman was at the end of her driveway in scrubs with two little dogs. And 
of course, I stopped and I was like, oh my God, they're so cute and was giving them attention. And I was asking her questions about the dogs. Like, are they brother and sister? Are they the same age? And, you know, she had very broken English. And I just kept asking the questions. And the person I was with said, Shalene, I don't think that's the owner. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I mean, like, you know, the scrubs and everything. I think that's probably the help. And I thought, oh, I, like, I didn't even pick up on it. But then I yeah. thought, well, but we're, that's an assumption mm-hmm. based on the fact that she wasn't white and she was wearing yeah. scrubs and she had broken English. Might be true, but we make those assumptions. About- and, I, and I think this goes both ways. I think that I think black people, we do that all the time with white people. I think that, you know, we've been with other races. Most definitely I've experienced that being African and like all the ridiculous questions I've gotten about being like African. Oh gosh. If I had a dollar for every time somebody said, ask me, how did I get here? This is a legit, this like, I'm not kidding. I would have at least $200. <laughs> no, for real. Because it's like, how did I get here? And then the next question is like, you didn't get here on a boat? Like, come and, on. And they're dead serious. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. See, so it's like different. And that'll come from who? <laughs> that'll come from who? Anyone? Yeah, both black and white people. Yeah. But then again, I came to America when it was a time where it was very, especially St. Louis is one of the most segregated cities, if you look that up. And so it's like, obviously not a lot of information. And I guess back then it wasn't a lot of like hearing like people from a foreign country coming to America or whatever the case. So for me, yeah. I'm like, I thought I'm cool. Like I watch Fresh Prince. I know who Fresh Prince is, but that's, <laughs> that's a whole other story. <laughs> what have you learned in the last week that has really made a difference shook you to the core changed profoundly the way you think i thought i knew that white people didn't get it but this was like it's like on a whole new level that i honestly because i've even seen where there have been so many comments of like still trying to justify mm-hmm. a person who he's laying on the cold concrete calling his mom grown man dying and we still find ways to not try to process that we want to jump that moment to get to a different moment instead of staying in that moment and asking why like i really you know i would want people to really think about this why is it that anybody who's like this is one incident that was a bad cop i get that i get that but why is it you think those police were not shaking that film they stand in there seeing getting filmed why is it that there is no sense of remorse in their face the thing is this they have been gotten filmed there's film and they're not filmed. This incident was just one of so many that are happening on a daily basis that, you know, it's just this one just got the attention. Because if it was to be the other one and the other one. So instead of like seeing this as just one separate, I mean, for those who, who are, and I try to just focus more on what can we do? Because I, I really am more solution based. But then it does still tug my heart when I think of that, that like, really? I mean, just the same way where you guys are like, I still can't believe this is happening. I'm like, 
you still can't get it. <laughs> you know, it's still the same. But I am very hopeful that people who are open and people who are willing to have hard conversations, we can come up with like really good solutions ongoing. This is going to be a lot long road. It's not like the one social media post or, you know, like it's going to take some time to heal. It's some people just, I think allowing them to deal with the hurt the way they are right now. I think that's the least we can do. The least we can do is just allow that to happen. However, they want to deal with it and just letting them know that you're there. And if you get it wrong, it's fine. It's fine. A lot of my white friends kept saying that it was just like, I just don't want to say the wrong thing. I've heard that so many times and I just, you know, I needed to think about it. I needed to process, but I always say it's like, George didn't get time to process anything. Like the stories I shared with you, we don't never get time to process. We are like, bam, we're in there. I think it's important that people, if the white community needs a moment to be educated, to not make matters worse, they should do that. And I've had plenty of friends who I'm really glad we've been able to have some conversations before they did anything because I'm not saying you can't get it, but maybe you understand a little more, a little more so to know that this isn't about you. And so for me, like people have been reaching out to me too, like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, what you do is you listen. Yeah. I always think it's best just listen and then look in the mirror and then do some self-reflection and don't do what's symbolic. And honestly, I hope that we're not judging people based on what they are or not doing in social media. I know that's the easiest thing to do. It really is, yeah. We really have to judge people on what they're doing in real life. Who are you really talking to? Mm. Because there's a whole bunch of people who aren't doing anything on social media, but maybe they are having conversations in their home. And that's what's going to change because your post disappears after two weeks. But what you tell your child at the dinner table about what you will and will no longer accept and tolerate, that lasts a lifetime. And that to me is what's more important. And that's what I've been trying to tell my friends who are like, oh, I'm so, Shalene, can I use your post? I'm like, no, because, because this is, you know, you have to reach. And, and it isn't about social media. It's about what are you doing in your home and what conversations do you need to have? What do we need to look at? What do we need to change? That's what really, truly matters. And yeah, we are going to get it wrong. And Anne, you're a mother. So you know this. Everyone who's a parent, remember this. When your child looks at you and screams at you and says, I hate you and throws something at Mm -hmm. you, that is pain. That is hurt. That is a child that says, I want you to see me. This is a child who's screaming out to be heard and to be understood. It has nothing to do with true hate or rage towards you. And that's what we have to, like, I've had these horrible messages on both sides, like, you know, yeah. it's because I'm a public figure. And so I, I'm a mom. I'm a mom to my followers. Yeah. So it's okay if you say you hate me and you throw things at me right now. I understand that that's not about me. It's about your pain. And I want to understand it. Right. And I think it's taken so long where, again, I think the education of like actually learning where this pain comes from. Thank the disparity, you. I think then from there, you're like, okay, I can see why. Because yes, after this happens and then this happens, and guess what? We forget it until the next black man is put down, is dead. So 
Let's I talk about that for a second because that's the other really like, you know, we didn't talk about this too much on Monday's podcast. If you guys haven't listened to that one, go back and listen because these are both conversations that you just, you need to hear. But what I see happening now is this shift in people who don't understand the pain saying, well, well, of course we all agree that that man was brutally murdered, but why are we, look at this violence. What do you expect? Like, look at this rioting. Will you talk, two things I want you to address. Like, this is your platform. I am not going to interrupt. You just have, have at, girl. Two things that people, I would want them to hear from your own perspective. And I know that you don't pretend to speak on behalf of everyone, but the pain behind rage. And then how do you feel about the opportunist who are stirring this perhaps and are in there creating havoc and mayhem and it's all getting hung on the back of the black community i need to share this with you it says do not condemn what you do not understand do not condemn a person's response to pain you've never had to feel do not condemn a fight that you're not a part of because the truth is there have been ways of like trying to absolutely and i'll get to that part of the looting i just you know let's start with the pain i know there's so many it's all tied in there but let's start with the pain talk to me about like when you think about you know in the text that you sent to me earlier maybe it was yesterday you even mentioned your parents (laughs) and your own children so let's talk about that i think the pain of knowing that so you know like when you have a kid and it's so funny my friend gave me this analogy she was like so you know when you have a kid who's sick where you kind of don't know what's going on like the fever is running up i need to stay up i need to wait like i don't know i might have to take them in that anxiety that unsettling feeling a lot of black people deal with that on a daily basis especially say my son's not home. It's been an hour already. It's not that they got caught up. A lot of scenarios for them come up. And then when you couple it with this happening or another injustice happened, because of course there's a ray, like you said, with racism, a big spectrum. So it can be some small things at work where it's like, clearly what happened was just based off because I'm black. Or even sometimes it might be an internal thing where you're like, yeah, man, this happened because, you know, I'm black. Mm -hmm. So everything has already been piling up Mm -hmm. because of Mm -hmm. the circumstances. Yes, it's piling up. But then when you get hit, especially experiencing similar situations of police or even it could be a fellow white neighbor who does not understand and sees you as a threat all you're trying to do is mind your business Mm. it creates such a level of hurt like we can't just be human Mm. like all i think everybody wants is to be human and it's frustrating and the deeper pain of all these names that i named earlier from the mike brown like all of these names where we can ask about the protests but has any person who's listening, including you, gone back to like look at each? I, I would challenge 
to look at each of this person, their name and their story, because mm -hmm. all that ended up being is a hashtag. And there were a person yeah. just minding their own business. And so that that's where the pain comes from, because it's like, until when, until when, when so much riot took place, we literally saw murder in front of us. And it took like almost a, like with four or five days for him to get arrested. So it's like asking those questions and that pain, because it's like, instead of asking us the protests and like all of that, it's like, why not you go find out? And like you said, there's Google, there is all this information. It's like, I don't know what to say. You may know what's like, but you just didn't want to look at it. And I think it's time to just maybe look at it and seeing from that different perspective. I think that would really, really be helpful for, you know, all across. I hope that answers, I don't know. It does in a small way, in a way that we can hope to understand, but will not experience. And, and that's the privilege, right? I think that's a misconception is that, <laughs> that somehow even the term white privilege means that you didn't work for it or that you, it's an attitude. No, it's just a birthright. Yeah. Sadly, it's literally, that's what it means. It means that my opportunities will be different than yours. It means that the decisions my son makes in terms of the color of his clothes are different than the decisions your son makes. It's, yeah. you know, the, the, what I mean, you described, that constant feeling of walking on eggshells to just live your life. We don't get that. We always have to come polished. I love Oprah's saying. Did you say come polished? Yeah, we have to come polished. We have to come ready. Matter of fact, we have to come better in every situation. Like you say, when I walk into a room where it's like mostly white entrepreneurs, I know, and I love Oprah's quote, as I come as one, I come as a thousand. It's because I'm representing so many oh. of the people with me. And we don't get that luxury of just kind of like, I'm just going to like get on Instagram, you know, like kind of just doing whatever. If basically same, some things that like Shalene, you can do, we most definitely can't do on like, you know, just kind of going crazy. I literally can't do that because really? it's just, there's so many levels to that, you know? <laughs> and so, and uh, that's the part I don't get. And I'm going to, you know, just admit, I don't understand that, but I need to. I because can do we have that. So many, we have so many misconceptions about her anyways. And so this is just kind of like, oh, this is one more. Oh, I told you, man. Like right now with the riots, it's like, see, I told you, man. Yes, yes. They are. Yep. That's exactly why. And instead of, again, going back to why are they doing this? And also, how can the oppressor tell us how to protest? Every step of the way, calling Kaepernick, it was the kneeling. Like, it just became this huge thing that got away from why he did it to begin with was because mm -hmm. of this. And he didn't do it right. You know, mm -hmm. talking about Black Lives Matter, it just became this huge thing that became so polarizing. It became such an easy argument piece instead of like, where did that come from? Let's focus on that. And that's what the narrative is happening here, unfortunately, is and it hasn't helped with the media. It hasn't helped, of course, with the pain and anger. But I do agree the fact that being closed in for so long also has added on to that. 
but it's like don't you feel like this is all bubbling beneath the surface and it's almost like a pimple it's just it's been there and now it's at the surface and it is going to have to get worse i hate saying that because i'm such an optimist but i feel like it it had to get here in order for there to be healing It, it has to i think I would have never obviously have had this type of conversation with you or even, I think I'm even always even quite careful when I talk with white people to even say white people. Like, I think that's something that maybe I just talk huh. with my black friends about to be like, you know, man, you know, like that white person, da da da. Yeah. And, but now it feels good to at least, you know, like, let's talk about our differences. Let's actually do the work. It's going to take some work to, watch these documentaries to to actually learn because we can't say what do i do if it's right there it's honestly all right there it's just a matter i mean i love what my friend said she was like tune into the black experience as you would tune into the black culture because we're so Mm. quick to all of those things from from the drake from the jay-z and the beyonce we know all of these things, the clothing, the, the lingo, but how about tuning into the black experience? Mm-hmm. It's right there in front yeah. of you, but we've been choosing to ignore it until now. So I think it's time. I think it's time to just do our part. If you really want to do it, it's right there. You know, I heard it's an African proverb. I'm sure you're familiar with it that says if the child doesn't feel loved, by the village. They'll burn the village down to feel its warmth. Yes. Listen, I don't think either of us are condoning looting and rioting and more violence. I'm not condoning it. I'm not even saying that I understand it, but I do get where it comes from. Yeah. In the same way that it's an explosion of emotion, the same way it's just as ludicrous. No, it's more ridiculous when we win a, you know, a world championship and we flip over cars and burn them and loot, you know, because there's emotion <laughs> over a sporting event. Like, you know, all of that is, is senseless, but that's what happens when, emo- when we don't know what to do with our emotion. We don't have an outlet. Yes. And we're disenchanted and it's just been the perfect storm. And it has created conversations that needed to happen. So there's a silver lining in all of this. And I, I'm grateful that you would speak to me so honestly and share with me so honestly in my audience. No, thank you for taking the opportunity to have me and let me share my story. And I hope it, even if it's one person that it can kind of like shed some light on. But I think that if we don't have these, continue to have these hard conversations, letting us share our experiences and just staying in the loop. We have all the information that we need on our devices. I think those are the real steps that are going to take place later. And most importantly, most importantly, it's going to be us teaching our kids. That's where the real work. I was never even thinking about like, I would be like, eh, Shalina, I don't think I'm going to do this. But like after doing my post, because I wasn't even going to do a post about it, but I really had to share some of our black experiences is really for my son because mm-hmm. I want to do whatever I can to help make his life just a little bit easier in any way by just allowing everybody to see him as just Brayden because he's just Brayden and it's hard to do. But I think like a lot of your listeners, 
get that opportunity to see other black people when they are walking by like you know what it's just another person just walking <laughs> you know what i mean you know i would want to ask i don't know if they have the right to do this but i'm going to ask because i think it's what i need to ask is that any person of color who's listening i know i'm asking a lot but when you see stupid comments in social media when you see someone trying i'm not talking about like just you know an ignorant person don't even engage but when you see someone trying to figure things out to just give them an opportunity to get it wrong which you do so beautifully and i really do appreciate that and the reason why i say that is not because they deserve any special honors or recognition but because if we scare people back into their homes and to quiet conversations where they're not talking about this publicly people aren't motivated to change when they feel backed into a corner they're just not people yeah. aren't motivated to look to educate themselves when they feel like it's us versus them mm -hmm. you know and it is because of the friendships that i have that i want to have these conversations and i care to learn more and always have and you know my parents are grew up in detroit and they lived through the race riots and they were just the most open accepting people on the planet i could have definitely married a man of any color but it was one film in college that really like changed my understanding and that was eyes on the prize i think a lot of the document just some good amazing movies that i think will help kind of say a lot of things that black people can't really say to you yep and you get to see it yep and and also, I guess you will end up being like, even more like, oh, really? I can't believe this is happening still. But then you're like, oh, okay. I kind of get it a little bit more. I've been in America for this long, married to a black man, I have black kids. And still to this day, what I can say is every single time I'm still learning a little bit more about him or the black culture that I didn't know. So this is a continuous learning but i totally agree with you i think it's going to take for real change to happen it's going to take us together to do it and in whatever shape or form that does but i i do want to say also just being patient a little bit with people who are just like you know what nope let me alone yeah. right now yes. matter of fact okay speak to that line you know sit in the back and you're not in control right now because <laughs> already they felt they've given the control away so much you're not going to come and take this away from me too and it's fine but those who are willing to join in who want to go in and find great resources for our kids to help bridge that gap i actually sent an email to our head of school because i was like it's a great opportunity to send an email because a lot of families are in this course right now but also a great opportunity for families to learn how to relay this important subject to their kids and so whoever wants to get on board and support and supporting black businesses and and that way we know that we are moving the needle just a little bit forward so yeah. and that's all we can do can i ask you to share with me after we're done and we'll put in the show notes a list of any really important film or documentary that you think that people should Absolutely. watch i mean everyone's dying to watch something new okay well, we've got something that we'll have yeah. a nice long list that people can watch as a family yeah and that's what i'm asking my audience to do is just 
Just start with an open heart. Start with open dialogue. Look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. Be loving. Understand that rage and anger is pain. Yeah, absolutely. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it means the world to me.